This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. David Housel described it best. We are living the whole of the Auburn experience. The highs and the lows, the roller coaster ride amongst athletics, but it's even more beyond sports, academics. It's all about culture and family. And in fact, at its heart, you would say it's all about sports, culture, and the Auburn family. Because it is all about those things, we've got to have someone here alongside me, your host, Kyle Loomis, to discuss this experience back again in seat number two, Mr. Austin Scott for episode 54. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Mr. Loomis. War Eagle to you, sir. War Eagle to our Auburn family. And uh, just come on in, folks. Sit on down, uh, join, sit by the fire, maybe get some nice coffee, hot cocoa, fall is in the air. Just come on in, get grab. We have a few therapy blankets over here. <laughs> Weighted blankets. Go ahead. We'll just join the fun. We're all here together. We're all in this. We're all in this. Somebody's oh going to get that. I know. You dropped a reference pre-show. I got to <laughs> drop one in, too. This one's just going to be actually on the episode itself. So people on the podcast listening version are going to be like, now I got to go back to the live on the video and see what else was talked about. You never know. That's part of the reason we encourage you to consume <laughs> all aspects of E2C Network stuff, because you never know what you might miss out on. We have a lot to talk about, Mr. Scott, especially since we were out last week. We want to, obviously, we're glad you're back from being sick and you were trying very hard to be here, but uh, that stomach bug, it not only got the Auburn football team, but it got you too. (laughs) It it is no joke, and uh, it would not have been fun to listen to or to watch uh, last week, so glad to be back. But we have lots to catch up on, and I'm anxious to see and hear about how your bye week was and if you prepared more than the team did during the bye week ahead of our episode today. It's, it at least seems that way. We're going to dive <laughs> into the bye week um, and what happened post with LSU here in a full segment shortly, shortly. But, you know, frankly, I enjoyed the bye week more than I thought I would. And I think we talked about this on a Wednesday night live stream where typically I used to dread the bye week. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no Auburn football, no matter how good or bad it was. Like to me, I actually, there was a good round of football that day. Yep. Uh, we had a lot of busyness personally that it was finally nice to kind of sit back and not have anything to worry about. Um, I, I personally enjoyed the heck out of the bye week, but if, I was excited to come back until I saw what happened on the field uh, <laughs> and get into uh, talking some Auburn football with, with all the fine folks. Other than getting sick, I hope it was as productive for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel very much the same way. It was good for us as a family to kind of um, just take it take it slow and enjoy the rest of the football going on and, and be together and do get some things done. Um, I mean, I felt a lot better about the LSU game after last at, during the bye week after that Georgia game and uh, kind of where it looked like things were might be headed. Uh, and so, yeah, we had a great bye week and a great week leading up to the LSU game. Well, I want to paint some positive things here um, before we dive into the actual LSU game and the implications of that. I want to encourage, and this is part of the Auburn Potpourri segment, we just bounce around to a bunch of different topics. If you are not coming to Auburn this weekend, you are missing out on an incredible weekend. I think there's a little bit of weather that might kind of literally put some damper on things, maybe Friday. I don't know if it's still going to carry over into Saturday or not, but 
it is going to be fall on campus for real. Like for the, not just the people like Austin who live there, the students, like those that are coming to Auburn, you're going to experience fall weather. And there is everything happening. I think equestrians in town, soccer, volleyball, softball, of course, football, even if you may not want to go see it, uh, everything that you could want in the Auburn experience is happening this weekend. And this is when I'm super jealous of Austin because he lives there amongst these things and I have to travel to go experience them. So I'm excited about it. It, it's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be a full weekend of plenty of stuff to do. If you're making a weekend out of the, the trip for the game, you know, I know I recognize that's the big, the big reason you might come, but it's right. going to be a full weekend with plenty to do um, around the game as well. I mean, it's a high of 62 tomorrow in Auburn, Alabama. It, we're, we're not getting above 71 the rest of the week right now. Saturday looks like a low of 51 and a high of 66. We were walking into church this morning and it was brisk. I told my six-month-old boys who have no idea what I can, what I'm saying, or cannot <laughs> comprehend me at all. I said, "Gentlemen, this is fall, and this is football weather," and uh, it was awesome. And so, it is the perfect time for Auburn home games, Auburn home events, and to be around campus. I, it's one of those time, those small things that I remember back to being a student, and I'm jealous of walking to class this week. I'm like, "There's going to be." That you pull out your Auburn sweatshirts, you pull out your jackets, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful week on campus. It is going to be a fun weekend for those of us that are be there, but those of you that live there get to experience it fully. We are super, super jealous of. And to cap it all off, you got a night game for the Ole Miss game. No mm-hmm. matter how you, how you feel about the, the matchup and how it's going to go, Auburn, Jordan-Hare at night, it's going to be mm. fun, folks. So. Get excited about that at the very least. Let's switch gears real quickly and mention the basketball team. Now, AJ, when he guest spotted last week, we talked a little bit about the preseason, kind of broke some of that down. So if you want some of that talk, make sure you check out episode 53. And you feel free, Austin, if you want to say anything about that. But what I wanted to bring up, and I noticed even today, we're recording on Sunday evening, a lot of discussion around some of these preseason, I want to call them rankings because some of them are yeah, not official rankings, but they're respected names like Ken Palm and stuff like that for college basketball. And Auburn's getting a little bit of love early in some of these rankings. I think Ken Palm was they were ranked like 15th or something like that. Yeah. And I can already feel the expectations starting to build, even though there's people saying, hey, everybody, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does it feel that way to you that there's a little maybe after a lackluster last year that we're kind of having those anticipations build a little too early or anything like that? Uh, you know, it's the Auburn way, right? To get the anticipation and, ex- and expectations high, you know, no matter maybe what our uh, gut tells us. Um, but in that sense, there's a lot of excitement about this team. Tons of transfers, tons of new faces, um, tons of people to get to know on and off the court and, and you know, find your favorite personalities with a lot of the same leadership and same um, – personalities that have already been here for a couple of years uh, that we love. And so uh, I think it's exciting. You know, you talked about Ken Palm and that's a big, a big one that a lot of people look at when it comes to how you rank teams. Um, some people only choose to rank teams based off Ken Palm. Who would those um, be? <laughs> that one person that had Kansas. Anyway. Um, and then, you know, it's, so a lot of people trust the metrics that go in and the algorithm that is Ken Palm. And I think it was always, 
you know, from my vantage point, expected that Auburn would look good in Ken Palm because strength of schedule is a big part of Ken Palm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Auburn has a brutal schedule out of conference, especially, and then the gauntlet that is the SEC. So they're getting some love for that. You know, it, it'll only help if Auburn can win those games and win a, a majority of those games. Um, right. But I think that out of conference schedule is also something that has a lot of people excited. I mean, when you're starting against Baylor and then you've got USC coming to Neville Arena with Bronny James and all the USC hype that is around them, on top of just all these opponents that Mike Burgomaster and Bruce Pearl and Chad Pruitt are able to find every year that end up being teams that might be, you know, out of on the radar of different Auburn fans, but then come March, it's like, oh, yeah, that team we played. Oh, yeah, that team we played. They're all making the tournament. So it's quality opponents for Auburn way before they hit SEC schedule. Um, but it'll be important for this team to gel together with all the new faces and, and figure out the lineups that work best. So plenty of excitement, well justified, I think. One of the things that I never worry about is having a fan from an opposing side look at my Auburn basketball team and say, well, y'all didn't play anybody. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, did you actually do the research on who we played? Even typically the ones that we played that would be mid-majors, lower Correct. tiers, they are people that either just won or were runners-up or anticipated to win their particular conference that season Correct. or the previous season. So. Bruce Pearl, obviously, because he assembled the staff, is responsible for it. But you brought up some of those names, Chad Pruitt, Mike Burgermeister, and whoever else, because I don't want to take anybody's credit away. Yeah, Assembling that schedule is it's brilliant. I, I love it. And, and a year where I'm, I get excited about the Maui Invitational because I would love to go to it. I just can't afford to. A year where that is leading up to that, the next year, we're, I'm starting to get more excited about this season's non-conference simply because of all the crazy – matchups that are going to happen neutrally at Auburn and away as well. So I know we're all a little bit down about football. I know we're all trying to understand some of these things, but there are still plenty of things to be excited about in the Auburn experience. Thankfully, Bruce Pearl and basketball is still one of those things. Let's jump into our full show. Now we're going to have through two other segments for you guys, big topics, obviously talking a little bit of post LSU It'll be therapy, I'm sure. But then we're going to talk about uh, fans getting involved with what you wear to the game and what's going to be happening with this old Miss game. Just this full discussion about that coming up next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Big topic number one tonight. We're going to, let's just, like you said, when we opened up the show, let's get around the couch and mm-hmm. I pull up a weighted blanket yeah. Put on some smooth jazz music. Now, mm-hmm. now this sounds kind of sketchy, actually. Now that well, I just, yeah. it, look, we all realize what we. I know I'm trying to bring it back. Bring it back, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> we all realize what we just saw against LSU was not good. We're going to dive into. But let me ask this question first: Was it worse than the Texas A&M results, Austin? Um, worse than the results, uh, like. What was what you experienced? Let me ask this differently. What you felt after the Texas A&M game? 
was that worse or what you felt after the LSU game? I know maybe I kind of threw you for a loop. Um, I, I think, you know, I could, I could say both. I'm not going to do it. I think I'm, I, I, would, I would say worse um, because like I kind of alluded to earlier, I thought after the Georgia game, I was feeling some positives. I yeah. felt like there was an offensive identity, maybe some play calling had changed, maybe the person play calling had changed. It felt like there was some rhythm, some confidence brewing. And then it's like, well, you got a bye week. The whole bye week, the whole point is to prep for LSU. LSU looked like it had, um, you know, struggled defensively. They were one of the worst def- defenses by the metrics. Um, it was like, you know, things could be brewing here at the right time. Yeah, it's a night game in Tiger Stadium, but even a good showing and a loss helps continue kind of some of that positive trajectory of momentum. Uh, and then it just wasn't. You know, it, it comes out and it's just flat. The first two drives, um, things look lost um, on both sides of the ball, and you just never want to see that after a bye week. So I, I think A&M, while I thought it was more evenly matched going into it, and I was like, we have a chance to win this game, uh, and I was very disappointed we didn't. Uh, the LSU game, it was like, man, we are not anywhere close at this moment to a team like LSU like we maybe thought we were. The vitriol I heard after the Texas a game, I attribute mainly to people who had somehow made themselves believe that the magic of the 2013 season was going to happen again. And that was their realization that they were yeah. wrong about that, which is, you know, you start three, and zero, everybody starts feeling good. You know, Texas sure. A&M is a little bit susceptible and it's kind of a rude awakening, but you kind of understand that. And the way things cooled off after that, I think that kind of holds some water. This one, like you said, where even as much as things weren't perfect during the Georgia game, you're at home too, so that helps. There, It felt like we took a step forward in some ways, and there were some positive things there, taking the number one team down to three minutes and nearly beating them until Brock Bowers. Not right. even Brock Bowers happened, just until Brock Bowers, who – can I just say this too? And I am going to be careful saying this because I don't want it to be misconstrued. I'm never wishing ill will on anybody, but it's kind of like when you see that happen, if it's going oh, to I be know. in the cards that happen, just like, why can't that happen th- that last, I know. you know, like I, 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 I will be lying. If I said the minute they came on the new on, I, I really, I'm like with you. I really want to make sure I am. I hate that he is hurt. He I is never wish that Auburn. I think he is. I do think he's the best player in the country. And I think it yeah. would be, while I don't want our rival to win a Heisman, a tight end winning a Heisman. It's cool. Would be cool. And so when I saw it, I was like, you, I, you know, I do not want him to be hurt. But when they show up on the news flash, you know, mid game of whatever it was happening, because I wasn't watching Georgia Vanderbilt. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you've, oh, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Two yes. weeks after he destroys right. us. Yeah. So anyway, we can lament about that all we want. We're here to yeah. have therapy about Auburn stuff and Brock Bowers while he did beat us. It, there was more that needed to be fixed there. You got to buy week. You hope and you wish on a star that things were going to be addressed. And look, folks, I, I hate to break it to everybody, but they were. Does that translate out onto the field? Clearly not sometimes. Yeah. You can work on all the – and sometimes maybe it's just the realization that, wow, kind of what Hugh was saying leading into the season, folks, we need patience. We need a little bit of time to get this thing right. This is a much bigger problem 
than one season can fix. And I think people are finally starting to realize that. And and some that are realizing it aren't able to rationalize. And so they just start pointing fingers again, because that's just the easiest and frankly, the weakest thing to do just to point fingers. Uh, are there things that can be like attributed to that need to be fixed? Yes. I think play calling is something that's up in contention. Uh, this qu- two quarterback system. I mean, let me just open up to you, Austin. What's not okay. working? What's not working? What's not working? Yes. Okay, we try to keep these podcasts at 30 minutes. So I don't know. If I know. Um, no, as succinct I mean, as you can be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, it feels like there's, and this is so vague, and I hate to say this because I hate being vague when talking about football and sports. There's no, there doesn't seem to be an offensive identity. Like, we don't really know what we want to do because we don't know what's going to work. And and I think that that goes both ways. It goes by the coaches maybe not being a little as decisive as they should be and, and you know, setting saying we're doing this and because this is what we're best at. And then it's also some player execution. Like we might want to do this, but we can't trust that A, will do their job and B, will be able to execute this right. way. So it's, and so I think there's there's an identity crisis where, and we're kind of stuck in the middle, which is not a place you want to be. And I think, you know, as much as people don't like it, I don't like it either. That's why we keep seeing, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Because we're looking for anything that's going to work in the moment. Um, Kyle and I have talked about this before. You think you're frustrated and you think the coaches just are just not. That's just not true. I'm, I just – the players are frustrated. The coaches are frustrated. They're the ones who are knowing on the field as they're – as they're going three and out for the fifth time that they're what is being said on social media. And unfortunately that's, I hate that that's a thing that's being thought of, but it's, they're wondering at the same time, well, I don't, I can't execute this any better and I don't know how to do it. And at the same time, there's thousands of people watching them wondering the same thing. Right. Um, So it, I think that more than anything, it's an offensive identity question. That's the biggest crisis. Um, I think people are just, struggling with how are we not how do we not have something that we, at least we can stick to in this moment uh, does that any of that make sense i know that's no, I, going a long way around i think if you want to pinpoint as best you can the problem it is having an identity on offense are we a passing team are we a you know evenly distributed team are we a run team i'll tell you the thing that's just it's not shocking but it's just kind of almost disappointing is how ineffective the run game has been outside of Peyton Thorne's big game. Yeah. Which was nice to see. Didn't think he had that much of legs to him. I knew he had some, but that was pretty impressive to see. Um, We thought Robbie was going to be mainly that kind of asset for us. And he is, but you know, we know that Jarquez had his issues at the beginning of the season that kept him out for a game and probably slow getting into things as well, but even still has not, whether by opportunities to or whatever has not gotten going. Damari's gotten hurt. We've had some, you know, nice um, surprises, Brian Petit and Jeremiah Cobb, but outside of those nice surprises, it's been kind of disappointing to watch the run game not get going. And some of a lot of it is because we're not creating a lot of opportunities except on the outside for them. Uh, Yeah. up Up the middle, there's no holes to be found. Yeah, no, and I, you know, it was one thing I, I saw Jesse Palmer calling the game last night get a lot of flack. It was one I thought it was really interesting that he kept saying, you know, Auburn's got to establish to run. They are a running team. They are they want to run. I'm like, 
you know, I wouldn't say we're a passing team, but I, I guess what you could say that that is something we want to do, but it was, it felt more like he was speaking out of evidence so far this year. And I just didn't really follow with that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it can probably be attributed to a lot of these teams. know Auburn doesn't have much of passing at all. It might be clamping down on that run, making sure, well, this is what they got. And we're going to make sure Jarquez doesn't beat us in the middle. Yeah. Um, but, and if that's what's working, then that's what's working for him. I mean, it, it looks like Auburn doesn't have much of an offensive identity in the run game that they've been known so well for uh, hardly at all. Yeah. And I think some of it too is people have these expectations for Auburn that were unrealistic and also get stuck on things such as LSU's the worst defense statistically. That yeah. may be in fact true. And, and and I know that we have to be even killed about these, but I think people discredit what playing at home does. If you don't believe what playing in death Valley does for LSU, then let me just show you what happened two weeks ago where Auburn went three minutes, three minutes away from knocking off number one team. Who's not, you know, the most unbeatable team in the world, but they're still number one. And we saw that. So if you don't think that that makes a difference and negate some of the statistical um, averages that tend to happen, then you're just not being intellectually honest. Like you're just operating off of emotions, but it is still valid that that was the, one of the worst defenses Auburn has faced all season. And nothing happened, but it's it's a much deeper conversation than that so there's no one fix to this. Switching quarterbacks and acting like that guy is the savior is not going to fix this. It's much bigger, and it's going to take much more time. And I'm going to say it again, folks: you mm. just got to have patience. And unfortunately, it's in short supply right now. So I guess maybe to round thing, any final thoughts just about what we've been seeing? And hopefully we're talking about something much happier after the next game. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I was talking with a friend at once today, and he asked me, um, are we going to go to a bowl game? I said, I think I really think we are. And I think there's multiple levels to this that make me say yes. And he agreed. We were just having a conversation. But I think he pointed out, you know, it it's rough. Like you think about going to Kyle Field, home against Georgia, at Death Valley, and then home against Ole Miss is a brutal first yeah. four. That, no excuses. Everybody gets the schedule no the way ex- the schedule's down. Right. That's just how it is. Auburn, you know, there's a plenty of Auburn fans who clamor for that Georgia game to be earlier. Okay, well now it is. Like it's a good, you know, you can't put it wherever you want every year, and so that's a brutal first four SEC games. That's just how the cards are dealt. But the back half and you see, you know, sure, anything can happen on any given Saturday, right? Like I'm not saying it's a shoe in But you look at the back half and I think going into this year, no matter what, how whether you thought Auburn was going to have 2013 recreated or not, the first four look way harder than, you know, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt, and even Alabama at the back half. You think you'd take those back four over the top four regardless. Um, and so I I think there's optimism. Like you said, Auburn's got a lot more home games left the year. Jordan Hare is Jordan Hare. The magic's there. It's night game against Ole Miss. I think it'll be totally fine. I like Auburn the rest of the way in the majority of their games. And so, I, I you know, there's panic button because it's Auburn and there's panic button. But uh, I, think, I think it's going to be okay and we're going to get this thing figured out. But, hey – the job we can do is allowed in Jordan Hare for our team, and I don't see that being a problem. So I think we're going to be fine. 
Well played, sir. And I think that's a great way to end that. We're all frustrated. Just need a little bit of venting and therapy session. But remember, it is always great to be an Auburn Tiger. It's much better than some of those other choices out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big topic number two tonight. We're going to stay in the football realm, basically, because it's related to something that happens in the stadium. It was something that was announced this year as my co-host frantically on the camera. Those of you listening, searches for something. What was that about? (laughs) It's part of my prop. You got a prop? I got a prop. (laughs) So um, as you probably saw at the beginning of the season, they, for the home games, like to have different themes and stuff like that. And it's more than just maybe what are you going to wear military appreciation things uh you know they're gonna honor this player honor the teams in fact folks is not what we're going to discuss but remember we're honoring the 1993 undefeated team so show up and be ready to support that group that's able to show up i would imagine terry bowden's still coaching right so he's not yes he is at um he's at ul now yeah he's at monroe that's right that's right i had to think for a second I don't think they're, I don't know what their schedule, frankly, you know, I know it shouldn't shock anybody that I know their schedule, but they are two and five, actually. Maybe he they can just, show up if <laughs> they just lost to TJ Finley in Texas State. Wow. And it comes full circle. So, anyway, the 1993 season will be honored. What we want to talk about is this concept of what you wear to the game. And some people are like, why are we talking about this? Well, frankly, guys, we got to talk about something pleasant after our <laughs> therapy session. But I think some of it we, we want to talk maybe about opinions about what we attempt to do, what works, what doesn't. For this upcoming Ole Miss game, probably the most difficult feat for you to convince <laughs> all the fans to do yep. is to wear not, not just one color, but to wear specific colors for specific sections throughout the entirety of the stadium, including one of those sections is one is, is a complete student section. Yep. And one is a recruiting section essentially. So getting them to participate is probably tough in and of itself. It, it's my, it's not all recruits and families and stuff, but a lot of it is in that, in that section. That's why you always see it emptied out right before halftime. Cause they're going down to do all the different things that recruiting does. Anyway, uh, this game, the strike, the stadium, now, if I recall, Austin, last time we did this last year, it looked okay. Like I, I think I recall that. Am yeah. I, am I remembering that incorrectly? No, it, I think it's been a few years, and it always looks fine. You know, like like the for the majority, just like when it's the whole stadium wears one color, most people obey. Most people make sure to plan and do their thing. Like you said, it's harder when there's a seating map, and it's a and it's a know what number you're in, know what color you need to wear, and all those things. Now, there's some people who are going to wear their E2C shirt no matter what, and we're, and we're just not going to be able to now, 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 allow now. those people. Now, hold on, hold on. We're going to open that up. <laughs> it's much easier for me to make an excuse not to wear the E2, or at least to have that as what's showing when it's going to be a cooler like it is. Then I, can, I have enough. to wear some. I don't have an E2C jacket. So you don't lump me into the people that don't participate this week because I will be. Right. 
Every time you see that the big uh, uh, panorama of the whiteout, and you see that little gray shirt in the right, that's Kyle. Just every, just know that every time. Upper left in the upper deck, about halfway up, you'll see me there. Just it'll probably be some awkward face, just like like that, staring at somebody. Probably you found, saw me if they took that shot during the Georgia game. Yeah. It was probably me glaring at the ignorant and very offensive Georgia fans in front of me uh, last couple weeks ago. Anyway, your continue your thoughts. Yeah, and so I, you know, I don't ever mind it. I know, I know there's a lot of people. One of my very best friends just can't stand that we have to have a color designation for every game. Um, and frankly, I don't know why we do it either. I don't know why it there has to be a set schedule. Um, nonetheless, I think the stripe one is interesting, and it's always hard to pull off, but done well. Uh, I, this past weekend, I was watching that Tennessee Texas A and M game. They did the checkerboard. I think that they always do perfect job at Tennessee with the checkerboard. I don't know if they they there's no way they hand out a hundred thousand t-shirts. Not every right? year, right? Right, but like the checkerboard, you have to show up knowing right. which, just like stripe, but it, obviously it's checkerboard. And so I think it does well. I think there's that's kind of the mindset behind the stripe thing. Here's why I have my prop, Kyle. I think there's an easier way to make sure this happens for Stripe Stadium and something more relevant because the stripe of orange and blue stadium is just kind of strange to me. I would like if we could figure out how to do tiger stripes, but then you'd have to probably do it by seat and people would get. Oh my, you're just asking too much. But you know what I think we should do? And people won't like this. We'd have to do it early in the year because we need a lot of white. We should do (laughs) stripe. We could do, look, Kyle. We could, I'm trying to, I see. we could do the student section, bleeds over, so we'd have to get the frat boys up here to, to, um, what's the word, cooperate. <laughs> Don't you think we could do this helmet stripe right here? We could, it, be and it's more relevant, because the Auburn helmet stripe, or, or excuse me, Clint, the Northwestern stripe <laughs> of white, blue, White, orange, white, blue. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Kyle, can you imagine the drone shot of that? Would it be you beautiful? So. Would it be beautiful? Yes. Do, but your question was, do I do I think we could pull it off? No, I don't think we could pull it off. <laughs> uh, but to your point, and for people that are listening, again, you should watch the, the live recording if you can. He has his little prop up with a little mini helmet and yeah. he's showing the Northwestern stripe and obviously the mostly white Auburn helmet. And so just kind of picture that in your head as he was describing it there. It would work like and look great if we could get participation with yeah. it and part of that's getting the students and the, the fraternities to participate so on that note in relation to he's just like holding it up now just like demanding that it happens <laughs> on that note why is it so hard for us to get participation let's just mainly talking about the stripe out when you see tennessee with more people do it every year for a checkered board that's more difficult yeah. to pull off in my opinion What's the not lack of buy-in because there is enough to see a stripe, but what's, yeah. what's not working? I think it's two things. I think first off that it maybe three things. I think first <laughs> off that it the checkerboard it has to work great the first time. Every year they do this. I see a million pictures of the checkerboard because they do a great job with it, and everybody can do it easily. And I feel like they probably at this point now. I don't know if they do it multiple times a year, but if you know your section, you know where the orange. I I don't know 
what my section is for the stripe every year. It could, I think it's been different every year. I'm probably wrong on that. I don't know why they would change the map, but, and then second, I think with Tennessee, I would think orange and white, everybody has a lot of, I don't think everybody has a lot of orange comparatively to their blue. Would you say that's the case in your wardrobe? Actually, I've got more orange, believe it or not. Really? And that's probably because I like wearing orange more. Well, there you go. But I, you know, that could be varies in what you have, and 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 then, like you mentioned, with the your own wardrobe this weekend, if you don't have a outerwear that is the color that you are designated, well, I, you know what, I love Auburn football, but I'm not going to freeze for the for the striped stadium picture you right. know right. so i don't know i i just think that it's it's a one that we try and do and we it looks good enough so we're just gonna keep doing it but the whiteout if you want to call it that looks great this year it which did. i was i was kind of shocked with when i came up the the ramp to the upper deck and turned the corner and said oh we we actually bought in a little bit to this and, yeah. and to their credit the students tend to to pull it off you know like yeah. Whatever's happening, they tend to play their role for the most part. Always uh, helps that the white game's the one of the hottest. So you can yes. you can wear the white. Yeah. So that that worked. I think it's much easier to pull off the orange, the blue. That's sure. you know, that just makes sense to do. The navy nightmare, the orange out, or however you want to there's gotta be a better phrase for orange out. Like all orange. Auburn, all orange, I believe. I'm sorry, that's the correct yeah. way to say it's all Auburn. Oh, I should know this by now. Come on, Kyle. Okay. That's like deduct five points for my Auburn fandom. Um this the stripe thing though has always just got me confounded. And but yeah. I will be participating this week in it unless I forget to bring the outerwear that what that is your color? Is orange. Then I have oh, an orange is. hoodie. Good. I have I a, I have a navy hoodie, but I'll be honest with you. My favorite Auburn gear is gray base. And usually, and then the colors. Like I'm on the screen right now. I'm wearing a very light gray Auburn gymnastics shirt. I, I like, and I like darker grays usually. That's typically what I like with a little maybe orange accent. I like to, sh- to me, that shows the colors off more because it's you've got this big. We're talking. Are we talking fashion on this show? We Austin? are. We are. We cover this, everything here. This is how bad it's gotten this season, folks. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> So that's what I like about about all this. Now, to close out, there is one thing that they're doing differently this year, it seems like, unless we're wrong. Which I like. The first time. They're going to do half and half. Is that correct? Top and bottom. Top and bottom. And it's top is orange or -hmm. bottom is orange? I I think top is orange. I hope top is orange for you because you love orange now, I found out. Yes. And that would be – but I do have a navy pullover and my gray E2C shirt – most looks navy it's called heather gray why it's are we pre- talking it's fashion pretty, it's pretty weathered now yeah. your shirt i think it dang it's probably man. blue just, just tell me i look ugly why don't you Jeez. oh you're 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 navy your upper is navy oh, okay well if it's cool enough i got a nice navy pullover that i can wear that'll work just fine for that uh don't get me wrong if it's warm enough i wear e2c out no matter so you guys can find me which you guys do a great job of saying hello but i just wanted us to hash it out and kind of talk about perspectives of this and i love it you know, kind of give our opinions about it. I think the the basic gist of it is this. A lot of the Auburn fans like the idea. We just wish the execution was better on some of these things like the stripe. And we're not going to be able to figure out how to fix all of this. Austin had his idea tonight, which, again, Austin would have looked great. Brings the prop up again. 
but participation is the, I got to, we got to fix participation. How about this? If we can pull off the best striping of the stadium ever in the next few years, which is possible, if we get a little bit more excitement around the program, then you and I will make a full-fledged pitch that we do it. That's what we're going to do. I don't do. know who I need to talk to, but probably, um, I don't remember his name. But Red Hobart. Well, yes, thank you. Yeah, there you go. The, and the ex, yeah. the fan experience crew that's doing a great job, by the way. They are already uh, doing a great job. I'm, I'm just, I've got some ideas. I'm just, you know. Trying so, to pitch some ideas. We'll talk about it. So that's what's going to happen. Folks, if you want to see Austin's idea happen in the stadium, let's get this striping going that's this right. week. Find out where you are and get it done, folks. Will to it close, Kyle, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. To close, Kyle, what is your favorite? Whole, like when you see the stadium, you're in there for the game and you see the stadium and it is all color or it is all whatever. What is your favorite to, to look at? I'm How's hoping this, that thing pops up. hands right here. There's so many things happening that people on the audio are missing right now with hand motions and stuff. Uh, I was impressed by the way the, the whiteout looked this week, uh, this year. Mm -hmm. And I just said that I, I prefer to wear orange stuff. Mm -hmm. Navy Nightmare is my favorite, though. Look, when it's Navy and they put all those all, all orange shakers out, which is what they'll do for the Iron Bowl because it's classic. There's nothing like it. It's the Navy nightmare is probably my favorite. So no matter if your preference is white, orange, blue, striped uh, helmets that don't fit on Austin's head as he tries to on the screen. Uh, obviously, we hope that you guys continue to participate. And maybe, just maybe, we might see some more creative things if the buy-in buy continues to happen in the coming seasons. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode, episode 54. By the way, Austin, closing, you did not give us a 54 uh player i didn't oh. give you did you not do your homework um no i did I'm not gonna, i will i will require extra credit and makeup from you next week so get get to work sir all right yeah i will <laughs> call them out johnson's this year's number 54 in case and, and there he saved himself <laughs> he saved himself at the end of the show in case you want to catch up with us outside the show, you can find me on the X Twitterverse at Kyle Loomis 24. Follow E2C Network everywhere, even the Tiki Talkies. Where can they find you? Even the Tiki Talkies. Austin G. Scott is where you can find me on X and Facebook and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 54, apparently the Tate Johnson episode. Until we talk to you again, Warrior. Warrior.